0: Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, Ask the Strategists. I'm Jake Burns, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Ishit Fashozhani and Brian Landerman. Today we talk about governance and what that means to each of us. Ship, Brian, welcome back. Hey, Jake. Hey, Jake. I want to talk about, uh, I had a really interesting uh, customer meeting, and you know, uh, I was talking to a senior leader. At uh, This organization about their cloud migration. So big surprise, right? Uh, they're at the very beginning of their journey. And, you know, I gave kind of the standard speech about kind of don't overplan. kind of talked about the our mental model of one way door versus two way door decisions. And the quick kind of definition being, you know, one way door is a, a decision that you pretty much have to live with. And if you want to reverse it, there are consequences. And a two-way door is a re- easily reversible decision. One that you go through, you don't like the consequences, you come right back through. And the point being, um, you shouldn't pl- really plan those uh, and spend a lot of time and effort planning those two-way door decisions. You should just do them. It's what we call at Amazon, a bias for action. Uh, if you identify a two-way door decision, you just make that decision. If it doesn't work out, you can change your mind. You should spend your your time and effort analyzing only the one-way door decisions, because those are the ones that are going to have consequences. And so an interesting thing happened. It was for the first time ever, and I've had this conversation so many times, the customer asked, okay, well, what are those one-way door decisions for us? And I didn't have a great answer. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like one of those things. I know it when I see it. <laughs> so I was wondering if you guys had an idea. Let's, let's talk about this. What are the one-way door decisions uh, at the beginning of a cloud um, transformation? That's a good question. But I
1: would imagine that you take this mental model of one-way door versus two-way door, and you would have a different set of requirements or scenarios in different places, right? So I would think throughout our business that there are certain areas, like obviously we we always use the fulfillment center um, example um, or data center example. You know, within AWS, those are two different areas of our business, and and so there's different requirements or you know considerations that would say, okay, building a data center, yeah, that's a one way door decision for us.
0: Yeah, in a nutshell, the, the question is like, what decisions should we spend as an organization, as an enterprise, embarking on a, on this journey of cloud transformation? What are the few decisions that we really should spend time analyzing? And I'm curious about your guys's experience, um, you know, with customers. As well but in in my meetings it's like the single biggest mistake i see customers making is they're treating virtually all of their decisions as one-way door decisions and analyzing everything and it's causing them to take months sometimes years to get started and that's a clear anti-pattern for success it's something that uh you know is unlikely to to make you successful whereas moving quickly is something that is likely to make you successful But you do need to identify what those one-way door decisions are and be very careful about them so that you can be kind of less careful and more fast and have a bias for action for everything else. Yeah, I agree. But I also think it maybe depends on the audience or
1: how you apply it, right? Because you might say for the enterprise, Mm -hmm. governance is a one-way door decision. Yeah, governance was the one that I was sure about. Well, but I don't know. I would say for the enterprise, probably, right? But in terms of how you solve that, how you decide what to implement and and what your policies will be, you could certainly get there through a bunch of two-way door decisions. So do, do you know what I mean? Like like fleshing it out. I, some of this, I think, to your point about what we see happening with a lot of customers, I see a lot of customers in big planning and taking long periods of time because they're like, oh, they because they look at governance as a one-way door decision, but um. There's so much change that needs to happen within the organization, right? Just in terms of how you think about solving the problem, that it, it could significantly elongate your process in making that one-way door decision, right? So it's like, how do you? I don't know. I I, I agree. I agree that governance is one, but I also want to believe that like there's there's a way to expedite that decision. Yes. And and break off of the like the historical approaches that we've taken to a decision like that to, to get some speed.
2: That's interesting. Uh, why, why do you think governance is a one-way door decision? That's not a perspective that I have, at least that's not how I've approached it. So really curious to know why you think uh, governance is a one-way door decision.
0: So I'll, be, I'll, I'll just clarify real, real quick. I think it's kind of a, um, it's a half one-way door decision. So what I mean by that is. <laughs> oh, there's half doors now. I think there is. I think in this case, and I'll explain myself. So um, <laughs> it's my opinion that it, when you set your governance policy, um, and, and I think it's useful for us to get a little specific here uh, so people know what we're talking about. So let's just say who has access to deploy resources uh to to your cloud environment let's just use that kind of specific example if, if you make that very restrictive it's a two-way door decision to make it less restrictive it's, it's quite easy to kind of allow more people access but um, if you make it uh, less restrictive or, or you put no restrictions at all and just say, oh, everyone can deploy anything anywhere, um, it would be very disruptive to your operations to make that more restrictive. So I'd say it's a one way door decision in that sense. Um, it's very hard to 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 make your governance tighter. It's very easy to make your governance easier. And so the answer may be in order to make it more of a two way door decision. Um, this is just kind of an idea that I have. I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts. Um, make it restrictive to begin with and then kind of loosen it as you go and then at that point you'll find where it needs to be.
2: See my my challenge with governance or at least the mental model I use with governance is uh somewhat opposite of what you said Jake. So that's kind of very interesting because I think that in an enterprise once policies and procedures and go- and gatekeeping functions are established it is very, very difficult to loosen them. As a tenet that I have used for governance is that governance is to enable not to restrict, right? And in theory, yes, what you're saying is right, that once you you, you tighten it up and then it's easier to give more people access and freedom, right? But practically what happens is that, well, when you implement something, it requires so many approvals, justification, analysis to loosen it up. Uh, And in fact, you're... What happens, especially with governance, when you set it up that restrictive, all your other processes from software development to deployment to how people work and communicate, they will start to self-organize around that gate, right? Uh, and so you you probably have a much larger impact on the culture, the velocity, if you set the governance uh, to restrictive. So I think I do I do see the point as to why this would be Consider uh, a one way door kind of decision because it does require careful thought and planning because the impact of that could be long lasting and that can extend beyond governance. It can actually impact what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with you, Ashit. And I'm not that I disagree with you, Jake. I just think that what you proposed requires. Uh, good intentions, or assumes good intentions, which we know is not enough um and i I think what i 've seen in practice, which is kind of what I was saying, where you need to change the behaviors and how you think about the things that contribute to your governance practice and policies um and and think differently about it and i don't i don 't think you 'll get that if you start off being really restrictive. I would rather see you say. To your to your example, who has access to deploying to to production, like I would rather say my my requirement is that I can control who has access easily. So that I can change that. If I find that a loose policy is breaking things, well I can I can very easily tighten tighten that up and adapt to what's going on. Or I, I say I'm worried about people spending unnecessarily and and running up our bills and Okay, well I I want the transparency into what's going on. I want people to know what what they're spending and, you know, and 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 I I want the ability to shut down services if if they're getting out of whack, right? Like something like that. I, it it kind of to me that changes the conversation from being really restrictive to being able to implement the level that is necessary. And I think in the past, we haven't had the ability to implement the level that is necessary. And so we've had to be more restrictive due to a lack of tools and a lack of automation. And I don't think that's true anymore. So I, I worry about it because there the, the transformation, the thinking hasn't shifted enough to do what you're suggesting in a, in a way that actually benefits the organization.
0: I'm kind of glad you guys have this opposing opinions because I, I actually feel very strongly about this. So let's just go into some examples. Right. And, and let's let's see. Let's see how this works. Right. So. So say you, um, you you have very, very light governance and it's just kind of like, well, we're going to give access to our engineers, pretty much access to everything and let them build. Right. And that's like the least governance I can think of. Um, and then you get into the situation where your costs are too high and you maybe have, you're out of compliance on some systems and uh, you can't tell the difference between dev and production, um, how would you go in and add governance to fix that? Versus the opposite, right? Where you, you, you say everything has to go through this gate and it's very slow and it's very tedious, but now you have a, a perfect record of what is what, um, who owns what, who built what, and now you can go in there and say, you know what? This is a little too restrictive and we're going to loosen that and, and, and say, maybe you don't have to put in 12 different tags to put something in, in there because we don't need all that information. Um, now you only need eight. That second scenario just seems so much easier to, to me. Neither one are good. Neither one are ideal. But in terms of getting closer to where you need to be, I feel like the second one would be, I would rather be in that position.
2: So, um, if you look at in practice, Jake. Right When you start the journey, especially, we're talking about starting the journey here, right because that's where these questions are uh, most important as to where you're spending time. What you're describing uh, in your first scenario is is a wild west, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the not starting with restrictive governance does not mean complete lack of governance right right So I'm not suggesting that you start with. Uh, no compliance or let anybody deploy to production, right? But uh, the downside of actually starting with a lot of restrictive governance is also that when you start, you're starting with few things where you don't have the skills, you don't even know whether you're going to need 12, 14, 15, 20, or 37 tags, right, for example. So in practice, what happens is that it is not that when you make a decision to move to cloud, suddenly hundreds of developers are building applications and they're deploying it right on you know, day one, right? And so you do have a gradual transition time where you are actually learning the behavior and then you're fine-tuning those knobs. So you're not starting with a completely, hey, you can use anything you want, you can build in anything you want, you can deploy anywhere you want, right? Mm-hmm. But what you're starting with is, I'm not, I'm actually going to observe and build my governance in a much more agile fashion. So I'm going to have a base foundational guardrails, right? As to production environment, There is, there are most restrictions on who can touch, what you can do, uh, how you can deploy, right? Uh, compliance, if I, you know, whatever regulation, compliance, privacy requirement, data, residency requirement that I have, that has to be there. But then in terms of services, in terms of what you can experiment with, you can increase those things as you move up in the environment, right? So you can you can start with a much broader you can set controls from finance, right? So you can say, hey, you know what? If there is a there is more than five thousand dollar hit on something, you shut it down. Right. So you instead of instead of sort of setting up that governance upfront, you can actually be you can you can actually come back and see the behavior and, and take the action based on that.
1: So now I'm gonna agree with Jake. A smart move, Ryan. <laughs> and I, and I wasn't going to, but Ishi, it, it I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go back and forth. No, Ishi, it, it what you're talking about, I, I agree with. But at Cox Automotive, we had the first kind of group out of the gate that went to cloud because they were in a replatforming effort, and they were like, "Oh, well, we're gonna build these services, and we're gonna put them in AWS." And we were pretty immature. And I would say at the time, even from an enterprise perspective, AWS is pretty immature, right? This is this is many, many years ago. And by the time the rest of the organization, when I set the, the cloud strategy for the rest of the organization, and we were like, okay, well, now we need an account strategy. Do we have one account per environment? Do we have it per application per environment? Like what, you know, and, and what, what does that look like? And what is the best practice? And what do we recommend? And, and what does our landing zone look like? Well, we went back and looked at that first group that moved. Um, And it was a mess. Like compared to what we wanted and and what we now thought was best, it was a mess. And it was going to take a long time to go back and clean that up. And um, so I think what you're talking about is right, Ishit, that there is an opportunity to evolve your governance and to, as you learn, to get better at it. But there is absolutely a cost. You know, so you've got to be really diligent about going back and cleaning up what you did in the past based on what you now know. Or you kind of need to maybe do what Jake is talking about, which is honestly when I, now that I'm like thinking more about it, I mean, I will recommend to customers and like go, go do a security workshop and start getting, you know, getting your thinking straight about what security in the cloud looks like. And, and hey, like we have this landing zone. Offering and practice, like go establish your your landing zone. You should absolutely go to the cloud and have a common landing spot that that is secure and and logging and whatever else. So, I I think there's maybe a middle ground of what we're talking about. I think what I, my initial reaction to you, Jake, was you're like, be very restrictive and then back off of it. Um, But I also worry about the time it takes to figure out like what that middle ground is, right? But the, the, what's the saying? Um, I would have written a shorter book, but I ran out of time or whatever, right? I mean, I think that's true with a lot of things. Refining something and and hitting that sweet spot is really difficult and takes a lot of time. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's a balance, you have to strike a balance here. So, you're not taking forever to get to this place that we're kind of circling around.
2: So, I I think, Brian, what you described is exactly why I think that when you're starting out, literally out of the gate, you really don't have enough understanding and skill set to design and plan for every scenario, and that is where again, I'm not suggesting that you don't work on your foundational element. Of absolutely, you need the lending zone, your account strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. So, I want to be very clear, right? That I'm I'm suggesting that you invest in that foundation. Beyond that, how, what you allow your builders to do, and how that moves up the chain, your tagging strategy. Some of these things you will start with something, but you know what? is we, like, I'll give you my example. We started with um, our accounts by um, teams. That's how we started, right? Um, and then we realized that we needed to change that because as things started to become mature, these team-based accounts got, got too big and we had applications that were all bundled into this, right? Now, could we have foreseen that? I mean, now this is where you can maybe talk to other people, pick Pick their brains and say, you know what? Maybe this is the right strategy. Right. My point is that over analyzing and planning for every exception scenario without having practical experience and seeing what your business requirements are. Right. What are you reporting on? Are you char- Do you have a chargeback model? Do you have a showback model? Do you have a completely centralized cost model? Those things play into how you decide your governance. And so, what I'm suggesting is pay a lot of attention to foundation things that you. Have to absolutely get it right, but then don't try to plan for every exception, right? Because you you have a big uh, application portfolio, a number of workloads. A lot of companies actually wait to even start before they figure out because they want to address. Hey, how am how am I going to address this fringe case where I need to give somebody access to production, right? So don't plan your don't plan your process based on exceptions.
1: So I totally agree with you, and and interestingly enough come uh that's making me think of kind of my advice in building services in general which is it's a lot easier to start coarse grained and as you learn more fine tune it and and head towards microservices than think that you should start with this really small thing and spend all this time getting really fine grained so i i agree i think the thing that it's important to know which we talk a lot about is you know automation and you know something that i i see at amazon is these campaigns Right, so to your point about tagging, um, I think it's. I think you're right. I think you can start off with a certain number of tags, and you can change your requirements, and you can go back and you audit audit your environment. And you know the way we would do that here, as far as I've seen, right, is is running a campaign on tagging that you would um, go identify all the things that are no longer compliant with this new policy, and have a an intentional effort to to get to compliance. Right? And you have top down buy-in and, and you'd move in that direction. So um, I, I agree that, that you don't know everything and that you do need to iterate and I, I do see some examples that are successful of um, changing compliance, ways to automate you know visibility into who's compliant and who isn't and, and ways to execute on that. So I, I, I agree.
0: Yeah so another example might be and 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 you know i, I have a feeling that we're going to come to an agreement by the end of this and this might be kind of uh, semantics uh which tends to happen right but um you know say you, you decide you're going to um which is a good idea restrict the um services that get deployed you know into production because if you want to you know manage it and say you have limited uh, amount of resources, if you just say anyone could use any 200 plus services, well, then what happens when, you know, your on-call person gets a call in the middle of the night and it's a service they've never heard of, right? So as much as you can kind of standardize, right, without limiting your your capabilities. Um, and so if you start off with like, you know, and again, I'm using extreme examples to illustrate a point. But I don't I don't mean that these are the actual uh, scenarios, but say you say it's 200, it's all 200 plus. Right. And then they get deployed in production. Then you decide later, well, we're going to restrict half of those. Now you're stuck with those exceptions to manage, too, which is going to be really difficult. But if you take the opposite approach and you say, again, an extreme example, we're only going to use EC2 and EBS and S3 and ELB. Right. Just the most basic, you know, um, services that exist. And then as time goes on, you know, you kind of say, you know, this one would be really useful to 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 kind of add to that standard. And you kind of agree that 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 it would be good. And then you add it. And then gradually over time, you come to some limited set of services that everyone agrees is kind of 80 20 rule going to give you the most bang for your buck, but still be manageable. That would be my example of kind of starting with a, a kind of restrictive policy and then getting it less restrictive over time and how that could be useful versus the opposite.
1: And I'm all for that, Jake. But so I'm your customer. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in the organization. You're managing the central platform. How long are you like? How long does it take you to do that? You know, you look at even like, you know, OS has come out for, for Macs at, at enterprises and like, how long until I can upgrade? Like it's, is it going to take me, you know, three f- to five months after the release of a service from, from Amazon for you to certify that I can use it? Meanwhile, I could be adding value to the business. So that's my issue is it's, it's the speed with which you accomplish what you said and i what i've seen for the most part is that if i was a customer of the people that are trying to do what you you said i'd be a very unhappy customer
0: interesting well obviously i think you need to be able to make decisions as quickly as possible right and i'm also operating under the assumption that a very tight policy is a very easy one to create right it's kind of like if you look at how aws does security it's it's a deny all by default and then you start adding the the allows. In a way, it's kind of what the same thing I'm talking about.
2: I think it's the I think the very tight policy is the easier to create for the creator. And that is the difference. It may not be the easiest thing for the customer to deal with, though.
0: Sure. But it's a short-term kind of temporary state where you're in that restrictive mode versus like this. Perhaps infinite or very long state of cleanup if you get it wrong and you have to come back and kind of restrict it. And that's my point. It's the trade off between those two things.
2: If if you think about if you think about practicality of it, right. So I think we're talking, and I know Jake, you said you're you're talking about sort of uh, uh, a scenario that is you know extreme scenario, right? But practically, right. Uh, and I'm not again, I'm not suggesting that you open door for every service in production, but practically, right. Let's just say let's talk dev environment. Right, I say, hey, you know what? You can play with whatever service you want. Two hundred plus, right? How many enterprises? How practical it is that in six months from then, you're going to find everything from EC two to S three to EBS to Guard Duty to SageMaker Studio and everything in between, right? In an enterprise, it's it it doesn't. So I do think that some of the fears around governance. My point is that some of the fears around governance are based on these extreme exception cases. And that is where companies spend a lot of time sort of doing that uh, and figuring out how to tackle that rather than starting with something and then very quickly iterating, right? To see based on the behavior that are happening and what demand is coming to Brian's point. If I have customers saying, hey, I want these services and I want to use them, those are indications, right? To say, well, what, what should I focus on next versus... Saying I'm going to restrict it to only these five, I'll let you sample all 200, you know, and then I'll, based on that, I'll make decision on what should go where.
1: Yeah, so I, I would, I would love though if what you're saying, if the way that played out, and I find that, hey, you've approved five, but I need number nine, that you then work with me to bring it to production
2: the other thing that I talk to customers a lot about, right, is you tend to bring the same mental models of on-premises to cloud when you start. And this is not just for governance. This is for everything, right? Uh, I mean, for the first time we started, right, it was a number of, you know, EC2 instances, reserved instances, right? Then you start and then you start to modernize and serverless and you go through that journey. Um, How we think about Uh, duplication of data in some cases when you're building a data lake or a data warehouse uh, because it was so expensive on premises that there is tremendous upfront focus on saying can we make sure before I bring this data in that it's not been brought in by somebody else right Um, with cloud that parameter changes a little bit right where I can prioritize speed because you know what the cost is not going to be ginormous or comparable to my on-premises environment. So my my problem is that when you're making this change, you have to update your mental models, including governance and how you work. And if you try to design your governance before you have applied those mental models and upgraded those mental models, uh, I think you, you will tend to replicate a lot of processes that you had on-premises.
0: Definitely agree with that. I also think that there's a danger, though, in taking your way of operating and your governance on premises um, and bringing it to a an environment where you have vastly more capabilities. And I think that's the danger, right? If you if you take, say, your governance is at let's just, you know, assign a number to it at 50. And then you that works on premises where you have all of this kind of natural inertia and kind of. Um, you know, um, natural kind of guardrails. Like, for example, an engineer wants a new server. Well, you got to buy that server, you know, so there's like these natural gates. You bring that level of governance to the cloud and the engineer says, I want a server every three seconds and he gets a server every three seconds. So you need tighter governance to control that uh, increase in capabilities. And I guess overall what I'm trying to say is your governance level needs to match the amount of power that you have essentially and the capabilities that you have and if there's a mismatch and generally there will be a mismatch if you do the same number of gov- same amount of governance that you had on prem you take it into the cloud there's going to be a huge mismatch and the mismatch is, is in the direction of not enough, enough governance as counterintuitive as that seems
1: yeah i totally agree with the the notion of not bringing your on-prem governance to the cloud but your example of like you know, Johnny wants a new server that we don't offer or whatever. And there's natural gates built in. Yeah, I agree. That's that's a benefit of on-prem. However, if you actually look at the customer problem you're trying to solve, that's not necessarily a good gate, right? It, it, it While it might protect you financially, it's not
0: necessarily. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's a benefit. I'm saying it's a it's a natural protection. Right. Obviously, the capabilities of cloud are better but it gives you new things to think about and new things you have to worry about. And so you just got to take those into consideration. Of course, take the benefits of cloud, but you don't want it to you want to, you you want more capabilities, you don't want a blank check for every one of your engineers at the same time.
1: No, I agree, but I th- I think your point though is a good one, which is there are natural like physical checks in place on prem and you need to find or create new natural checks in your governance process for cloud and I think that is a fantastic distinction yes and and that is that is I think what a lot of customers struggle with because it's that's not an easy leap to make right of of going from that physical protection of, of having to order something versus turning it
2: on so so what are what are some of the uh, recommendations right so we talked about uh, and i I do think that in some ways even though we Have said quite a few times that we agree or disagree. I do think that in some ways, we are all talking about sort of spending time on foundational governance and making sure that certain elements you get right, right? But I think that is also where you can rely on, say, well architected framework. You can rely on things that have been tried by many, many enterprises, and there are patterns that have been tried many times, right? Uh, and you can learn and actually start, that's a very good starting point. My my point is that when you are in a learning curve, when you're starting in your journey, you are in a learning curve. So don't import your old models of governance and, and apply that in the cloud rather than use best practices that others have already tried in the cloud. And then in an agile manner as you're learning, go and update it based on your scenario.
1: Mm-hmm. But but I think I think that is the key point, and the and the probably the sticking point is most of the customers I speak to. There's a ton of effort going into getting buy into what you just said of of saying, okay, I I agree and recognize that what I did on prem is not appropriate for the cloud. Help me understand what is appropriate. Like there is so much effort just to get to that understanding because. I, this used to be a really challenging problem when things like control tower didn't exist, when Amazon managed services didn't exist. But but there are these and, and well architected framework. Like there are these best practices that now exist in products that are being built to address this these specific challenges. I, I feel like that is the the problem that is still outstanding. Though is just realizing that what you did on prem doesn't work in the cloud. And go, you need to talk to the experts to figure out how to do it appropriately.
2: Correct. And, and start there, right? But then don't try to plan for every exception and fringe scenario on day one. Because as you continue to, as you evolve, you will learn so many things. You will find behaviors, uh, requirements within your businesses once, to Jake's point earlier, once you lift this restriction of, well, I only have these three types of server available in on-premises environments, so too bad, that's that's the one you get, right? To this freedom that you now have of new capabilities of cloud, um, take time to learn that instead of sort of trying to crystal ball it and say, let me plan for all 265 services plus or whatever this number numbers are, right? And plan for every scenario that is out there and let me design governance before I even take the first step.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you should have as simple a governance policy as possible, but one that um, allows you to refine it over time. I guess is tr- what I'm trying to say. Design it quickly, but design it in such a way to where you're not stuck. You don't paint yourself into a corner.
2: Yep. So we talked about governance quite a bit, but how you know would you how would you answer the customer's question that you asked?
0: Well, unfortunately, I'm more confused now than when we started the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Agreed. We have some homework to do. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and remember to submit your questions on the AWS Executive Insights website or directly to us on LinkedIn. And we'll do our best to answer them in future episodes. See you next time.